I want to be the very best, like no one ever was. Bum, bum, to catch them is my real test. To train them is my cause. Ba-da-da. I will travel across the land, searching far and wide. Bum, bum, Each Pokemon to understand the power that's inside. Pokemon. Hi, this is the real Joseph Fink, creator of Welcome to Nightville. Or maybe it's not. Nah, it's probably not. This is 8-Bit, episode 93, Podcatch on Twist, on Sunday, November 2nd, 2014, and now, the most meta thing I've heard today. This episode is hosted by Ian Buck and Ian Decker. I am Spartacus. I am Spartacus. <laughs> the real Spartacus. Please stand up. <laughs> so, those of you who listen to Welcome to Night Vale, the greatest podcast in the world, will probably understand that reference. In fact, if you don't, I don't know where you've been, because that's how they open pretty much every single one of their episodes, is somebody different saying, hi, this is Joseph Fink. But only one of them is really Joseph Fink. And how can you ever know? Because you can only hear their voices. I mean, some people like me can usually <laughs> excuse me tell when, when voices are a little bit different. Right, you can tell that they're different, but how do you know which one was the the real one? Because you know, like you you can't know if the first person to say that was the real Joseph Fink. Can you? I don't know. Oh. Blowing your mind, man. I hate you. If they were thorough enough, all of history that we've ever read could be false, could be completely fabricated. Everything that they told us from before we were like three years old could, could you know, have been completely different from what we, what we think we know. Just saying. It's a conspiracy, man. I was going to say all the adults are out to get us, but we're adults now. Uh, My beard says otherwise. We're, we're I'm going to, to have me. like a real person job by this time next year. What? And if I don't, then I did something wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) Oh, man. Place by about this time next year. That'll actually be awesome, though. It will. It will. And then we can have all of our liquor bottles proudly displayed up on a wall. (laughs) No, I will. Don't worry, I'll drink enough for both of us. (laughs) I'll drink enough for the both of us. Don't you worry. I believe that you are capable. Come on, Liver, you can handle this. I, I have faith. <laughs> I have to give it pep talks, pep talks every morning, though. Yeah, get it motivated. Mm-hmm. So, what, what what have you been up to this week? Oh, jeez, let's see. Well, Monday I played a piece for band, or for solo thing, I don't remember. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> I presented a piece for all the people who take saxophone lessons. But it was and... all a blur, so you don't remember. Well, kind of. I mean, I always get stressed out whenever there's a, or a performance of some sort. And so I did, I mean, I did what I could to try and ease the tension in the room, especially because this was supposed to be much more casual than it's been in the past. Mm-hmm. So I have this pair of shiny gold boxers with a smiley face on it. <laughs> and so I put these on over my pants. 
Those look like one of As the pairs that they had in like the the Kmart commercial or whatever with the the Jingle Bell boxers. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the sad thing is, is the reason that I got these was because I sent that to my mom because I thought that she'd get a kick out of it. So she, she got me, as a <laughs> gag gift, a pair of golden boxers with a jingle bell on the front. So the marketing worked. The marketing worked. <laughs> <laughs> From Kmart, but... Well, I think that's the only physical retailer where Joe Boxer is sold, so... <laughs> okay. So it must have been. It must have been. <laughs> it works, but in different ways than you might think. <laughs> What? Uh, let's see. Then worked on costumes. Uh, there was a costume contest on Friday in band, and that was that was fun. Me and the band director and the four officers nice. were all part of the group. The four officers were the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The band director was Master Splinter, and I was Shredder. Nice. Uh, pictures should be up on Facebook eventually. <laughs> I'd assume, anyways. Um, and then Friday night into Saturday, I went up to Eden Prairie to hang out with Tyler and Alicia. Do you remember them? Tyler was on the show as a guest a while back. Tyler Johnson. Um, I recognize the name. Company of Heroes. But I, uh, okay. Reviewed, I okay, okay. And talked about. We really liked him, so I, I, I want to have him back as a guest again. Sounds good to me. And I mean, he's, he's an absolutely amazing person too. Both, both him and Alicia, or sorry, Alicia are absolutely fantastic people. And their roommate, Ellen, who I don't really know very well, but she seems like she's pretty fun, too. So hung out with them and then came back last night. It was my friend's birthday party, so we went out to the bar, got some drinks, and came back, fell asleep, and went to church this morning, ran into a friend who I haven't seen in forever, and yeah, now I'm here. Wow. Sounds like a good week. It's been busy beyond no reason. Yeah. Because I get to adopt five kids for the next couple of days in just a couple of hours. Oh, that sounds like... Oh, okay, right, right. When you said kids, I immediately was like, you know, Cub Scouts, but no. I would not want to handle five Cub Scouts. Exactly. <laughs> I was questioning your sanity for a moment. Well, we know that's already out the window, so... <laughs> yeah, my... Oh, man. My, my week was so far the opposite of busy that I almost don't remember what I did because I had... I had a couple of finals on Monday and Tuesday, and then, you know, like, nothing else was going on at the university because the entire week was finals week. So I basically, I had two straight days where I just spent, like, six hours after waking up sitting in bed reading A Storm of Swords, and I finished the book. Man, I wish I had that time. I, I know, right? I, I just, I surprised myself several times, you know, what, I was just like, I should get up. Nah, nah, just one more chapter, just one more chapter. And the, and I would just keep reading. And, like, that book, I didn't realize when I started reading, but that book is really, really, really long. I looked it up, and it's like it's over 400,000 words, which is, like, a third longer than either of the other two in the series before it. And so I was absolutely not prepared for it. So, I, you know, I kept thinking to myself, ah, I'm, I got, I'm almost done with the book. I'm probably, this is probably about the end. And and then it would, you know, it took another, like, day and a half. <laughs> of almost straight reading to just to get through it. But I'm finished with it now. Yay. I I still have that issue where I, I'm a little afraid to start a book that I know is going to suck me in. Mm-hmm. Because once I get started on a book, then it becomes almost addictive. Yeah. And I put aside things that I really should be doing to read the book instead. Which is why you wait until, like, vacation or something. To do it. Yeah. 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 This summer. 
Right, because we're not going to be doing anything else over the summer. <laughs> yeah. The nights, the evenings, once we set, after we've set up camp and are sitting around the campfire. That's not exactly six hours straight of time, though. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. It, it reminded me of those times when, like... Of a song. I would, as a child, when I would get, like, a, a new season or two or three of Stargate and just, like, take it upstairs with a laptop and spend a long weekend just watching Stargate for the entire yep. weekend. Yep, binge-watching is always fun. Good times. Turns out, also, the Nexus 5 can actually last for a long time on battery if most of what it's displaying is black, because I had it, you know, with the white text on black background, night theme, and it didn't. It, it lasted for the entire six hours with the screen on, which I've mm-hmm. never, ever seen before. Technology. Yeah. You know. So, deco, 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 we no. had some... Listener feedback this week, but uh, it wasn't very, you know. I, bottom line, I'm disappointed, listeners. I'm I'm so disappointed. Nah, I love you guys. Um, so we we started a competition last week uh, to see who could identify the song that uh, Ryan placed at the end of the episode, and nobody got it. Um, you know, we only had two people respond with, I have no idea what this is. Uh, but it was a song from Paranautical Activity, which was the game that was removed from Steam when it's, uh, one of its creators tweeted death threats at, uh, at Gabe Newell. And, of course, that's not the whole story, so go and listen to last week's episode to find out everything that happened. But, yeah, yeah. that's what that song was from. Who was it that responded, out of curiosity? Uh, it was Andrew Bailey, of course, and Sonia. Bailey. Sonja. And Sonia also uh, to, gave us the, the whole quote about outrunning bears. It's, uh, you don't have to outrun the bear, just your slowest friend. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My goal in life is to never be the slowest friend. <laughs> well, I mean, considering that I know that you can easily outrun me, you, you, you got... Right, but I'm also not just referring to, you know, physically running. Well, that one you might have some issues with. <laughs> Depending on the complexity of the pun. Exactly. Gotcha. Because those dudes stack you a while. Let's make... <laughs> Don't you hate it when, like, you come up with the perfect comeback to something, like, a minute after the conversation has moved on, and it's like, oh, f- uh, we just rewind just, just for a second? Like, <laughs> yep. Nah. That just makes things even weirder. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about some, like, Headlines, some video game news. There was actually quite a bit of stuff that happened this week. Uh, I was I was pretty happy with it. So if you are listening to this episode and you want to, uh, you know, read any of the articles that we talk about, go to the nexus.tv slash eb93. That's where all the links are. So that's where the show notes are and all that jazz. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. Hands for news. <laughs> oh, man, it's been so long. It has been so long since we've done that. All right. Okay, so I suppose I start, don't I? Oh, this one. God damn it, why do you have to make me all depressed right off the bat? Because that was, like, the first thing that I read after our last episode. Oh, fine. <laughs> chronological order, my friend. It's only chronological order because you have your name first. Very true. <laughs> so what is this news? What this is horrible, this horrible news? So, so, so now we have a concrete reason... To, to not live stream the podcast on Twist or Twitch. <laughs> that was amazing. It's been an exhausting week. 
It's been a very exhausting week. <laughs> Why wouldn't we want to broadcast our podcasts on Twitch? Uh, so, so they have this twisted rule, which doesn't allow us to be shirtless. So apparently it's in the new dress appropriately section of their rules conduct, the rules of conduct. So I can't do my fan service no more. No, unfortunately. And if you've been listening to this show for a while, you'll probably remember several episodes where, like, we just started off talking about how shirtless we are. And, you know, there was, like, that time when we were both in Ryan's basement and we just, you know, decided to take off our shirts for kicks and for, you know, Ryan's benefit, of course. Yeah. I do appreciate that their dressed appropriately section ends with a reference to uh, Top Gun, because they talk about how uh, you know being shirtless is is you know more appropriate when you're in a two-on-two volleyball match with uh, whatever whatever song is playing in the in that movie in the background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. yes. So this week, Star Citizen showed off some footage from their uh, first-person shooter component at uh, at PAX Australia. And I don't know, I don't think that this is the first time that they've told us about the first-person shooter segment of the game, but this is, like, literally the first that I've actually completely realized that they are going to have a first-person part to this game, which sounds awesome, as long as it doesn't go the same way as, um, like, EVE Online's first-person shooter, you know, tie-in thing. Yeah, let's, let's hope. Okay. Ooh. This one, I'm surprised you let me take this one. Well, I'm taking the other Star Wars one. All right, fine. So, Star Wars Battlefront, it's coming back! Yay! Woohoo! <laughs> and it's made by DICE, so the guys that do the Battlefield games, so you can bet that it's going to be a good one. It better be. And, guess what, guess what, guess Oh, never mind, we do have to wait a long time. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Damn it. Over a year. But December 18th, 2015 is when it is no. supposed to... Oh, no, that's... Sorry, that's the Star Wars movie. Yeah. The following year. Yeah, we, we don't actually have an exact date for Battlefront, but it'll come out holiday of 2015. So right around the same time as... Probably before the movie, because, of course, holiday of 2015 for video games means, like, anywhere from October to November, usually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, either way, it's going to be a wait. I think I think the other thing that we found out this week about it is that it's actually going to be designed as a first-person shooter as opposed to a third-person shooter like the like previous the two were. Yeah. Yes. Now, speaking of Star Wars, uh, Good Old Games kind of hit the jackpot this week. They partnered with Disney to release a bunch of classic LucasArts games digitally. So the first six that I, th- I think they're already out are X-Wing, TIE Fighter... Sam and Max Hit the Road, The Secret of Monkey Island, Indiana Jones, and The Fate of Atlantis, and Knights of the Old Republic. And uh, for some of these, in particular, I think X-Wing and TIE Fighter, this is the first time that they have ever been released digitally. Um, And in total, there are going to be 30 games on the way. Ooh. 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 On the other hand, none of those Star Wars games are, you know, in the official canon anymore, so I can't care about them. (laughs) <laughs> I just play it regardless. I don't know. Try I mean, maybe. so one thing that is really good about this whole, you know, redefining what what is canon and what isn't is that it's given me an opportunity to actually catch up and stay caught up on everything that is canon. You know, everything that officially happened 
because at this point we have six movies that I've watched countless times, six seasons of a you know twenty minute uh, show, uh, another another show that just started their first season, and one novel, another one coming at the beginning of November. Hmm. So I don't actually have that much to catch up on, as opposed to before they you know rebooted the whole canon. Uh, it would have been impossible for me to ever ever catch up. On, on Star Wars material. You don't know that. We haven't been slacking off adults in the real world yet. <laughs> I can tell you that even as a slacking off adult, I'm probably going to have less time than a workaholic child. Yeah, possibly, probably. Yeah. I'm just going to have to drink harder then. Like, it takes a lot of administrative effort to actually live a life in this world. What is up with that? <sighs> it's like people want us to actually be productive or something. And, like, buy our own food and pay our own bills and stuff. Yeah. The buying your own food isn't that big of a deal. Yeah, you're right. I figured that out this this semester. It's <laughs> not hard. No. Actually, I when I was hanging out at Tyler and Alicia's place, we had some really yummy food. Um, so we had they have a panini maker. So Tyler and I ran out to the store, and I picked up um, ingredients for um, for what ended up being a really, really yummy panini. So there was... Can you describe to me what a panini is? You take bread. Okay. Or actually, you take a sandwich. You put it on essentially a griddle that presses stuff and compresses everything together. Hmm. Um, Does... And it just toasts everything. Okay. So it doesn't, like, toast the two pieces of bread together around it or anything. No. It just kind of... Okay. Yeah. Just squishes and toasts. Are Are there some ingredients that work better than others in a panini? I mean, ingredients that taste better warm, like I don't think you'd really want lettuce in a panini because warm mm. lettuce is just unappealing. <laughs> it's kind of floppy and gross. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, this ended up turning out really well. So there was provolone cheese. Cheese um, is always good. Grilled chicken, bacon, avocado, and ranch. That was the original uh, thing that I that I had come up with. And then Tyler added also... This sauce. I'm gonna have to a- ask him what it was, but it was, it was some sort of seasoning sauce that just made it the made the thing perfect. So you had we'll me at bacon ranch it. and avocado. What? You had me at bacon ranch and avocado. Yeah, yeah, it's yummy. That and garlic mashed potatoes were made as well. Nice. And kind of like I don't know really what to call it because it was I got lazy and decided not to actually bake a pie, but I still made the pie like things in a way that was probably just as much work. So I I made um I made homemade apple pie filling. Okay. And then I took um why didn't you just make a cobbler out of it? Ooh. I don't know. Cuz that's basically a pie and not pie form, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the way that I did things worked well too. Cuz what we did is we we took little balls of pie dough. There we go. Talking about balls again. <laughs> Come on, Ian, get your mind out of the gutter. Come on, Ian, get your I mean, mind out of the gutter. Out of the brothel. <laughs> but I like the brothel. Mm. Anyway, so butterballs. <laughs> um, took that, er, sorry, balls of pie dough, fried them up, and then essentially dipped that into the, the pie filling, or like took a li- little bit of the pie filling, put it on top of that, and then munched it. Okay. That actually so sounds like a lot less work. It was sort of like crackers and cheese, but with pie crust and pie filling. 
I can't see how crackers and cheese can stand up to this in any way. This sounds so yeah. much better. <laughs> crackers and cheese is delicious, too, if you have good cheese. Yeah. And at least decent crackers. All right. Well, moving on. So, oh, yes. So I thought this was particularly interesting in relation to all of the Gamergate news and hype and whatnot that's been going on, is that a study that was conducted, a survey that was conducted by the analyst firm Superdata Research, it found that in the U.S. that overall women play more PC games than men. Or more women play PC games. Or more women play PC games, yeah. Yeah. Um, And I mean, for the most part, it is actually like a 50-50 split, but women outweigh men just ever so slightly, but it happens. It's there. Yeah. Um, And actually, apparently a lot, or a slightly more significant amount uh, play more RPGs than guys do. There's 53.6% of women play RPG, or sorry, 53.6% 53.6% of RPG players are women. Are women. Well, yeah. men represent the other, the other percent. Um, so I think it's it's really interesting that, well, as we've kind of noted, it's the the defensive minority mm-hmm. that speaks for the majority. Yeah, like seemingly, yeah. Seemingly. Except that, of course, you know, among among all of the you know the the sites that I read and everything. Um, the majority, you know, condemn Gamergate, and you know, like there's there's nobody that I know who's like, yes, let's be oppressive, let's be ex- exclusive. You know, that's a great idea. No, that's what I'm saying is that Gamergate is the one that's making all of the attacks, and it's what people are focusing on. Right, right. But, but like, I see, I see way more attacks against Gamergate than I see Gamergate attacks against other people. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Well, that that's in the community where we live, within the gaming community itself. Exactly. But within the general public and what yeah, we are from, seeing. Yeah, from the outside, it might not seem that way. Yeah, I see what you mean. Outside looking in. Mm-hmm. It's the defensive minority. So unfortunate. Uh, now, speaking of nice, pretty graphs... Uh, I also found this interesting one about average Metacritic scores, uh, you know, over, over the course of the last, uh, what is that, like 13 years or something since 2001. So, if you take a look at it, uh, historically, there, you know, the, the, um, let's see, what was it? The, the, the user scores for a game were typically very, very, very high, and the professional reviewer scores were lower. And then, in like 2008, 2009, those kind of switched, and now professional scores are higher than user scores. So I don't know what happened. Like, is there is there suddenly a more jaded population that is more wary of you know like um, of the games that they play, or does the hype train like you know get get us all excited and then and then people are you know let down when it, it isn't the best game that they ever played? Kind of thing, you know, or I I don't know. Um, and then the other thing that's interesting is what on earth happened in 2007? Because there's this like really weird drop all of a sudden in in review scores. And I've always thought of 2007 as like a really really good year for games. Like we had what Bioshock, Crisis, Half Life 2, Episode 2, Portal, Team Fortress 2. Like all of these amazing games came out in 2007. 
that maybe be the issue is that we got so many good games that everything else started to seem mediocre. Right, but that would explain like a drop right after 2007, but like not in 2007 itself, right? Because mm-hmm. those because those games would would up the average in 2007. Well, maybe. When did they come out? Did they come out early 2007 or late 2007? Because um, if it was early, it depends. I think I think I know that the Orange Box games, so Portal and Team Fortress 2 and Half Life 2 Episode 2, those all came out on October 10th. You can 10, guess 10, why 10, I know 10. that. Hmm, I wonder. Because that's my birthday. Uh, I I suspect that most of the other big titles like uh, Bioshock and Crisis probably also came out towards the end of the year because you know big games tend to like to come out during holidays. But I I don't know for sure. I'd have to look it up, and that takes too long. Interesting. I I like honestly I don't have any answers for that. It's so strange. So, I mean, if they come out if they came out first quarter, then I could see why there was that huge drop right away because then you could have. Mm-hmm. Um, or then they could have raised the bar as to what video games are supposed to be like, and then everything else seemed kind of crappy after that. But yeah, I mean the graph looks like early 2008 they started coming up again. It was about midway through 2007 when they started to fall down. So that that jump might have been what, or the big mm. jump that might have been what revitalized. Was those awesome games coming out? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, what else came out in 2007? Well, see, that's the thing. If there were awful, awful games that came out in 2007, we probably didn't hear about them. For one thing, we weren't in the know at the time. 2007 in video gaming. Oh, great. March. <laughs> Game for Windows Live. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's it. That's it right there. The entire market just went down. <laughs> Thanks, Microsoft. <laughs> okay. Uh... Xbox 360 Elite came out. Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games, which I heard was absolutely horrid. <laughs> um, let's see. Lost Planet came out early. Let's just look for PC. Oh, no, this is because this is Metacritic in general. Yeah, yeah. It also, yeah, you also have to consider, like, where were the consoles at in their cycles at that time? You know, like, were, I don't know, I think... 2007, were PS2 games still being made? Probably just a few. Um, just a few. That was two years after. Because the... Er, early 2007 was only a little bit over a year after, like, the 360 and the PS3 came out. Because those came okay. out in 2005. I think, well, the PS3 came out a full year after the 360. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, 360 well, came out, uh, I think, I think it was 360 and then the Wii and then PS3? For that generation? 360 came out, yeah, no, uh, in, in the U.S. November 17th, 2006. Oh, 2006. That was the 360? That was the... Two, sorry, no, 2006 was the PS3. Okay, okay, yeah, that makes sense. The Wii came out in NA November 19th, 2006. So it was okay. the Wii... Yeah, it was the Wii and the PS3 that came out almost exactly on the same day. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a few PS2 games listed on here. God of War 2 came out earlier. That one I know is a good one. Right, but like, we can't just, we can't just look at a list because we don't know exactly what their meta scores were, you know, and like, the, you know, the ones that, that were awful aren't, like, unless they were like, notoriously awful, aren't going to jump out at us a whole lot. That's true. Anyway. Pokemon Diamond came out. Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare came out. That's what killed it. 
Wait, I thought, but I thought that Modern Warfare was quite well received. It was. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, yes, it's easy to hate on Call of Duty nowadays, but at the time, like, Modern Warfare, holy crap. That was, that was before their annualization of it. Yeah. Let's see. Game release score. Speaking of Call of Duty. Speaking of, oh, hey, look at that. Hey, look at that. Hey, look at that. So, we talked a little while ago about, um, that whole silly lawsuit from, uh, Manuel Noriega, and the outcome has been decided. <laughs> Rejection! From Ace Right Attorney. I thought that was objection. I'm using it either way, shut up. <laughs> I hope that Savannah, uh, gives us some very angry feedback for that because she loves those games. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. I mean, it could be worse. I could be saying, so, like... So what, what, what was the outcome, exactly? The judge completely rejected the case. Just tossed it out the window. <laughs> so the judge, yeah, they just didn't decide to hear it. And was like, nope, you're a convicted war criminal. War criminal. Not a war I, criminal. I hate those war criminals, man. They're the worst. War criminals. So did you know that Twitch actually has a channel for people to stream the development of games? No. Yeah, That's it's like, you know, it's 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 set up as a category the way that, you know, most games are, you know, so so instead of like clicking on League of Legends or Counter-Strike Go or whatever, you know, you find game development in the list and then you can see different people developing for different games. So like I uh this week I spent a couple of hours watching a guy doing some sound design for the uh Skywind mod, which is, you know, the porting of Morrowind into uh, the sky, uh, the Skyrim engine, and that was kind of entertaining. Yeah. I actually, I actually left the tab open for a while because he, he was, he was, you know, tweaking some, some lines from, you know, an undead, uh, some sort of demon lord thing, and so I just kind of left the tab open and went on reading other things while listening to this, you know, <laughs> this undead voice speaking in my ears over and over and over again. It was kind of soothing in a weird way. Yeah, if you're if you're at all interested in the development of games, go ahead and check that out. There's there's not that many streamers, uh, but you know, the ones that are there are are you know more interested. I think, and you know, they're they're usually more indie because those are the people who are free to you know actually show people what they're making while they're making it. Most companies would not allow that. No. Sorry, I'm looking at the Metacritic scores from 2007 right now. <laughs> the worst. Score from the year of 2007 belonged to an Xbox 360 game that also came out on your birthday, mind you. Oh, lovely. Called Yaris, where you hopped into a Toyota Yaris. Oh my god. And drove god. around tracks. It's it was car. free. Thank god. It, risky, or it received a meta score of 17. What? <laughs> now we need to actually go and get a. Okay, so most people buy a, a console. To buy, you know, to play the games that are really, really good that they've heard great things about. I want to get an Xbox 360 just to play that one awful game that came out on my birthday. Or it that could be worse. Crazy. Let's see. There was Balls of Fury on the Wii that that got a 19. Oh wow! And then Chicken Shoot also got a 19. And that was on the DS. So oh no, Ninja Bread Man on the Wii only got a 20. I remember when that came out. That looked so amusing. But, but. But, but... I don't know. Oh, uh, no, it lasted half an hour. That's why people was... Or that's one of, anyways. 
So yes, we'll have to get some consoles and look at bad games sometime. Um, and hopefully it looks like Nintendo is doing better today. And I mean, there's actually a couple of interesting news pieces on them. So surprisingly, they actually turned a profit for the first time in a few years. Woohoo! Which is cool. Uh, the Wii U was holding them back. Mario Kart 8 and the upcoming Super Smash Bros. increased hardware sales by almost 200%. And Nintendo's first quality of life product will be a sleep monitor. Yeah, so you remember when we talked about, uh, you know, their their long-term plans for the future involve not just, like, you know, gaming things, but also getting into into other areas, such as health, which kind they, of. you know, decided to call uh, quality of life. Hmm. Kind of not really, but okay. Yeah, and I'm not sure exactly how this sleep monitor... Like, I know that it's supposed to send the information to, you know... Um, Nintendo servers, and then they're going to do something with the data. Like they they were talking about having it tie into games or something, but I I don't know. I I just Nintendo just wants to watch you sleep. That's all there is to it. Exactly. They're they're Santa Claus now. Oh, oh, oh God. <laughs> so cardboard computer have released another interlude for Kentucky Route Zero, which makes me really really excited. And this is kind of the the most meta one yet. Because, uh, so, you know, the, the game itself, Kentucky Route Zero, is a point-and-click adventure game, very very artsy, um, you know, kind of inspired by magical realism and American folk culture. And the, the interludes that they've released in between the episodes have, you know, had to do with the game, like, you know, characters that you're probably going to meet later in the game or whatever. And it's, it's not always clear exactly how these things tie in. But uh, this latest interlude is actually... So if you download and, and play the interlude, all that there is is there's a phone. And you call a number on the phone. Uh, the, the phone will only dial the one number that you you know get in, in an image on the website. And it gives you, like, you know, kind of this, this guided... Well, this sort of, like, tourist guide to the Echo River, which is evidently a place in the game that... Uh, I'm pretty sure that that's where they left you at the end of the last episode. But turns out that phone number is actually a phone number that you can call in real life. So I'm going to call it right now in the Hangout, and uh, we can we can listen to one or two of the things that the voice says. <laughs> You have dialed into here and there along the Echo, a guide to the Echo River for drifters and pilgrims. This guide is a public service provided by the Bureau of Secret Tourism. For a menu of our resources, press 1. If you have an extension to dial, press 9. For more information about our organization, press 3. If you don't push 1 here. For historical sites along the Echo River, press 1. For a guide to the river's flora and fauna, press 2. For help identifying an unfamiliar sound, press 3. I'm going with 3. For a catalog of subterranean birdsong, press 1. 
For help identifying something that's happening in the dark, press 2. If you are hearing organ music, press 3. To return to the main menu... I'm doing 2. The wet, rocky contours of the Echo River make for sometimes baffling reverberations that turn mundane sounds into weird, rattling symphonies. Like that. It can be a challenge to pick through the clamor and recognize even something as simple as water dropping in a metal bucket, especially in the dark. Here are some examples. When you hear a sound you want to know more about, just press 1. At any time, you can press 5 to stop. And that was a canoe tipping over from several miles away. That was someone burning a phone book. That was someone tearing up an electric bill. That was a phone ringing underwater. That was a motorboat's propeller failing. That was dirt being thrown on the lid of a coffin. And that was a canoe tip. Yep, yep, so that's all of them. <laughs> but yeah, there's like, there's a lot of stuff to go and explore in that in that little, uh, you know, phone. I'm going to call it dialogue options. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, all, all of that strange stuff, I can imagine it happening in the game, <laughs> you know? I mean, I don't know yet because I haven't played it yet, but... but I, I recommend it. It's good. It's very good. I, I approve. Okay, moving on. Let's see. Oh yeah, kinda. I, I we'll see where this one goes. So, Dragon Age Inquisition won't be able to import your decisions from earlier games directly. Instead, they have launched a website called Dragon Age Keep, which I think we talked about on an earlier episode a while back. I don't, I don't remember, but it's out now, so or in beta anyway. Yes, but it will narrate the story, and you can change different decisions as you see fit. A nice way to let even people who didn't play the other two games to shape their experience. Part of it will be from The Last Court, a text-based game by Failbetter, makers of Fallen London and The Sunless Sea. So that part, I can tell you, is definitely new this week because, you know, they weren't allowed to tell anybody about it until now. Um, I I enjoyed Fallen London. It was, I mean, they they it was more delightful, the, the type of language that they used than, you know, exactly the game mechanics. I got kind of bored with it after a while because it, you know, it was the kind of thing where you could only do so many actions in a given amount of time, uh, unless you know you like paid more money or whatever. Um, but they like they definitely have expertise with storytelling and writing, which is good because that's what this is—is is a text-based adventure. <laughs> I do enjoy text-based. Well, actually, the only thing that I can think of with text-based adventures is Zork. <laughs> and and you know song. what I'm thinking right now? That song? Yes. Of course. You are likely to be eaten by a group. If this predicament seems particularly cruel, 
consider whose fault it could be not a torch or a match in your inventory. So, do you remember this war of mine? It's that uh, it's that it's going to be a side-scrolling game coming out soon, uh, where instead of playing as you know the soldiers in a war, you're playing as the civilians living in a city that where a war is being fought, and you know you have to try to survive by gathering you know uh, food and stuff, and and uh, you know barricading your house and stuff like that. And I'm I'm expecting there to be a lot of loss in this in this uh, game, and if it's if it's anywhere near as heartrending as its launch trailer, I think it'll have succeeded. Oh dear lord, I haven't seen it yet. Can we watch that in the fringe after? Yes. Yeah, because it's it. There's not really any interesting sounds. It's just a song, if I remember correctly. Either way, sounds good to me. Okay, let's see. Ah, the Internet Archive was already a cool place full of public domain works of various kinds, but it just got cooler. The MAMA has been ported uh, so, to run. Yeah, that's the multi-arcade machine emulator, I think. I think <clears> that's what it stands for, yeah. Has been ported to run in JavaScript, so you can now play a bunch of old arcade games in your browser. Yeah, they have like like 900 of them on there right now. Holy cow. Crazy. And they do note that is- some of them don't work quite so well with like a keyboard because you know they were originally designed with a crazy, crazy controller in mind. Uh, but most of them should work. Which, um, oh, they're, they're all free to play, yeah? Yeah, yeah, this is, this is the Internet domain. Archive, so yeah, they're all public domain. Awesome, I might have to go check that out. Oh, yes. Also, aren't you proud of me that I got, that I got JavaScript when you only abbreviated it as JS? Yes, actually. <laughs> I forgot that I had abbreviated a few things in that one, because most of the time I just assume that I'm going to be the one who's reading it. Um, so, Telltale's Game of Thrones, uh, coming sometime this year, beginning anyway, because it's an episodic game, uh, they revealed that they're actually going to have multiple protagonists, uh, just like, you know, in the, uh, in the books, but all five of these playable characters are going to be from the same family, probably the Forrester clan, because that's what their other teasers were suggesting, uh, and the you know the sort of the decisions that you make with one character will affect you know what happens to other characters that you're playing as throughout the game and i'm not i'm not sure if you're going to be playing as you're probably going to be playing as multiple different characters in each episode because it wouldn't make sense to have like a five episode season and just have you control a different character in each episode hmm. you know what i mean yeah Dump, yeah. <laughs> i'm looking forward to that one a lot mhm I well, I gotta read the books first. Slash watch the show first. Yeah, don't worry. They're 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 really short. Uh, okay, yeah. I could probably get that done in what an afternoon or so. Something like that. Yeah. Perfect. Alright, I'll get right on that, Captain. They're all in my closet right now, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Waiting to be read. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, this one. So, what's your? Well, I guess what used to be your favorite mobile game? Ingress. I was in when, love with that game. What? I was in love. Yes. How things change. How things change. The more things change, the more they stay the same. War. War never War changes. War changes. Fallout 3. However, so, speaking of war, <laughs> so, Ingress is apparently now considered a security threat, or sorry, yeah, a security risk on military bases. 
Yeah. Or at least at least one Air Force base. I'm not sure about others. Um, ironically, this is the the Air Force base that's in charge of, among other things, you know, making sure that the GPS system is you know still operational. <laughs> and the GPS system is kind of important when you're playing Ingress. And I'm I'm a little bit puzzled by this because like Ingress already you know they only place portals in public places you know and not on like private property, not on government land, you know, where where people are not allowed to go. So they must be banning it on, like, in areas of the base where people are just allowed to go, you know, and walk around or whatever, which seems odd. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you just, you know, waltz onto a military base? That's, that's totally Oh, heck yeah, no problem. <laughs> Anything no, for a game. <laughs> I'm playing a game, guys. Want to join? <laughs> it was bad enough when, like, uh, a police officer pulled up next to me and Katie in a car because we were acting strange, you know, and just driving around to, di- like, different buildings and just kind of skulking outside in Morris. It was hilarious. <laughs> and, uh, like, he was like, are you guys lost? And I was like, nope, we're good. And, you know, like, I was like, how much, how, do I want to explain this game? No, I absolutely do not want to try to explain this game to him. Like, <laughs> well, so, well, Matt and I, of course, played at the fairgrounds all the time. And mm-hmm. one time we got out of the truck and we parked by the Space Needle. We walked to the other side of the Space Needle and we saw the police cars coming up to his truck. Because presumably there's drug deals going down over there all the time. <laughs> and and so um, we were in the distance. They didn't see us, but they, they flashlighted the truck pretty heavily. Uh, it, <laughs> Yeah. So and then they left eventually, and and so apparently in the uh, state fairgrounds in general, there's been a squabble between the Ingress players and the police, stating that it's a public park. You can go there anytime and do whatever you want, as long as you're not doing bad things. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But the police don't like it because you look suspicious. <laughs> mm-hmm. Beautiful. So we're not breaking the law, but we're definitely making people uncomfortable. Yep. Which is my favorite. Beautiful. Speaking of making people uncomfortable, horror games tend to make people at the least uncomfortable. And uh, Among the Sleep was, I, f- I think it's the latest horror game that I played, and of course it's the one where you you know play as a toddler. Oh, yeah. And they actually have a free DLC coming on November 5th. Uh, apparently Kickstarter backers helped to come up with ideas for this DLC. I completely forgot to go on the forums and you know try and help... Uh, come up with things, but that means that I'm actually coming at this with, you know, fresh eyes, and I have no idea what's going to be in the DLC, so I'll get to experience it completely new when it comes out. Yep, and I mean, me and scary things don't always get along, but at the same time... I think Among the Sleep was was well worth it, though, you know, like, it, it, it wasn't... It wasn't the kind of thing where I was just trying to, you know, like, gross you out through, you know, blood and gore the way that, like, the evil within does. Uh, yeah. It, it was more kind of just like a creeping kind of something's not right here. Yeah, and I've I've watched some gameplay videos of The Evil Within, mm-hmm. and I it, honestly it looks pretty cool. But at the same time, it's also one of those things where um, I'm not the one that's in control, and because I'm watching it, it's nowhere near as scary as it could be otherwise. Right, right. So, okay, let's see. Uh, it's the Ebola Jair. <laughs> Ebola Jair. Yes, the Ebola Jair has caused a scump. Are you sure this isn't uh, Cebu Shemi? 
C'est beau jamais. C'est beau jamais. C'est beau jamais. Non mais c'est beau jamais. So the Ebola scare. The Ebola scare has caused a jump in downloads for Plague Inc. Oddly, this is the first time a current real-life event has had an effect on the game's sales. There were a few publications that were kind of like almost trying to make it out like he was taking the creator was taking advantage of like you know big uh you know epidemics and stuff to to sell his game but like his that game came out a long time ago and this is the first time that I've ever seen a you know a scare of any kind make it jump in sales and he's actually he's he's working you know talking with a few like charitable organizations to see if he can donate some of the proceeds from the game to help fight Ebola for example so not all bad, and and he's also trying to figure out if he can like use it to raise awareness, kind of thing, or like maybe make a more educational sort of you know game about communicable diseases. I don't know. He seems like a pretty cool guy. Mm-hmm. I like cool guys. Weird how that works, right? Yeah. Cool so because you were busy and I decided to read instead of playing games this week, we don't have any new reviews, but mm-hmm. but kind of. Well, how much of the Evolve Alpha did you play? Uh, I played a few rounds. The rounds don't necessarily last incredible, incredibly long, though. Um, mm-hmm. So it was about an hour or two. Keep in mind, though, that this is... The Evolve Big Alpha is only going to be going until, um, like, later today. Oh. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it suddenly showed up in my Steam library. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, I didn't do that, but... Yeah, I I almost thought that it was you know because it was being shared from yours or something, but no, it's it I don't know, it's just there. Good job. So how are you enjoying it? It's it's an interesting game. I've been honestly I have been enjoying it a lot. Um, so I've played at least one round as every class except for the trapper. Okay. Um, including the monster, I played as the the, the monster. And that was probably the most fun and the most just sort of heart-wrenching. Um, because it's like, oh shit, they're on me, oh shit, they're on me, gotta run, gotta run, gotta run, gotta run. You don't have anybody watching your back, but at the same time you can't be let down by your teammates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it seemed like I was going up against some people who actually somewhat knew what they were... Um, what they were doing? People who knew what they were doing. So you had to be um, like halfway competent. Oh, yeah, no. Weird. Um, <laughs> And, of course, this was the very first match that I played, too, <laughs> in the game, without a tutorial. It's just like, here! So that was that was interesting. Um, so did essentially ever, what I had to do is, what? Did you ever play with people that you knew? You know, that you, you queued up with them or whatever? No, unfortunately. Okay. Because I didn't start playing till stupidly late last night, and by that time most people were already asleep. But... Yeah. If you stayed so, up late enough, I could uh, wake up early and <laughs> we could be awake at the same time. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, anyway, but so it was a lot of really interesting running around and trying to avoid the hunters as best I could until I got to stage three. And I was at low health at that time because they had found me and ambushed me a few times already. Um, I was actually fairly good at getting away for part of it. Um, because I did make it to stage... No, I did. Yeah, I said that I made it to stage 3. And I got full armor. Okay. Because that's um, the only type of health that you can replenish in the game as the as the monster, right? Correct. Oh, and so there's there's two monsters that they announced, right? Were they both in the alpha? 
the Goliath and the Kraken. It's the the way that you unlock other characters is by playing characters of that same class. So essentially, I'm, I'm going to call them Tier 1 and Tier 2 hmm. characters just because it looked like you have to do achievements in order to unlock um, uh, the characters in Tier 2. So every time you play a character, there's there you have to focus on your three main weapons. And so you do a certain amount of damage with some guns or like some healing with other guns or shielding with other guns, um, stuff like that. And you have to do that a certain amount, and then you go up a rank. And it looked like once you got to three ranks, then you would unlock or three ranks in each of those things, then you would unlock the next tier. So once you have mastery over one character, then you can have the next character. And so it's it's interesting in the sense that it looks like it actually forces you to learn all the characters as you go up instead of just having them all right there and available to you, which is... I know a lot of people will get pissed, but honestly, I kind of like it because that way you you learn the game and you learn how to play a heck of a lot better because that way you know all the strengths and weaknesses of each of those characters because you've played them enough that you to get to that point that you know what works for and what works against them. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually that match ended, I, I lost, but just barely. Like, I, so I almost killed all of the trappers, or all of the um, hunters. So I killed, always go for the medic first, because they're the ones that heal and revive and whatnot. Makes sense. So I got the medic down, and the medic actually finished off the medic instead of just getting them down. I made sure that they were dead. I did that double tap. Um, clever girl. Oh, I clever girl. I... Done pretty well. <laughs> um, and I go through, and I get it so that it looks like there's only one or two up, and they're able to get up and get a couple of them revived, and then I'm hunting the very last character. And, like, five seconds before I kill them, the rest of the people spawn. Aww. And, and so, I, yeah, damn it. <laughs> so about how long did the matches take? Because I think, I think all of the ones that I've watched online have been, you know, around like the 20 minute. For, for a longer match, 20, 20 to 30 minutes. Okay. Um, shorter matches can be under 10. Wow. Yeah, that is, okay. I, I can get behind that because, you know, I don't have time for anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then for the for the humans, let's see. Favorite class: assault was fun because you just get up in their face and do damage, and then you have a shield that, which allows you to become completely impervious to all damage for a few seconds. So you get completely up in the monster's face, and they cannot do anything about it. Um, then there is, let's see. Um, so the There's assault the medic, was fun. obviously. What? There's the medic, obviously. There's the medic, obviously. Uh, that one was a little bit difficult because, I mean, yes, you have the heel gun, which is just like, I'm going to zip around and go zoom. Um, and keep in mind, each character has really interesting abilities that allow them to perform several roles. So the medic only has two abilities that heal. They have the heel gun, which does continuous healing, and then they also have a burst heal, um, which heals yourself and a bunch of people around you, which is really handy. Um, then you also have a sniper rifle, which is an armor-piercing rifle, and it does some damage, but what its main thing, the main thing that it does is it creates weak spots for your allies to hit and do extra damage, 
Um, and then there's the, let's see, uh, tranquilizer gun. Tranquilizer gun is ah. also what you have, which slows and reveals the monster. So you you're all about healing your team and debuffing the enemy. Mm-hmm. And the support, let's see, he did a fair amount of recon. I didn't play him all that much since I came into a match part of the way and then I killed myself once or twice by accident. <laughs> Slash the monster got me too. But one of the abilities that you it, have... Like, caught by the, by the river thing? No. I no. saw that happen a few times. It was amusing. That did happen. Not not to me, but yes, I saw that happen. No, the only thing that got me a couple times was the, the, the plant. Okay. The carnivorous plant. Didn't Nintendo teach you to avoid those? I didn't see... I couldn't see where they were. <laughs> I'm sure that that's one of those things that you learn as you play the game more. Yeah. You know, how to recognize those and avoid them. So that was annoying. <laughs> um... But, no, the way that I accidentally killed myself is you have an ability that does an uh, an orbital bomb drop <laughs> in an area. And so I called it down where the monster was. And then the monster came after me, so I ran away, inadvertently running into the area where I had called the bomb drop. <laughs> and you can Bro. see what happened after that. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> and the now, other things... If it had gone slightly differently, you know, if you had, like, managed to get, uh, you know, across the bomb area and then the monster, you know, was chasing you through it and got hit by the bombs, you could have been like, yeah, I totally meant to do that. That was that was the plan. <laughs> yes. But, totally. alas. Nope. 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 I, I was not hard enough bait. <laughs> and, let's see, so he has a minigun besides just the orbital drop as well as a shield gun, which... Or a shield generator, I guess, would be the better way to put it, which lets you put a shield on whoever you want. So keeping your teammate in your line, your your teammates in your line of sight, so that you can hit them with that and protect them is always a good idea. So yeah, there's a lot of strategy to the game, and it seems like it would be much better if I had, or if I had been queuing up with people while I was playing instead of just people over the internet. Mm-hmm. I didn't really figure out how to do or how to make the voice stuff work. Um, there might have been a Push to talk or something like that, but I wasn't right. Um, and probably look at the options later and see if that's you know the case or something. Yeah, there's plenty of time to you know queue up with people once the game actually comes out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it sounds like that's gonna be good. Yes, I'm. I'm excited for it. It's yeah, it's gonna be an incredibly fun game. Um, oh golly, yeah. So yeah, first impressions. It's going to be fun. It's going to be silly. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. <laughs> it's going to rain bombs. <laughs> on myself. <laughs> on yourself. So for classics this week, we decided that we're going to talk about AudioSurf because that is a game it has been out for a long time, but it is a game that I at least come back to quite often. And uh, it's hands down my favorite rhythm game because... Uh, for, mainly because most other rhythm games, you know, they have to license whatever music they're going to put into the game, you know? And so you have, you know, a, a limited stock of songs that you can play. And for me, at least, you know, back, back in the days when Guitar Hero and Rock Band were coming out, I did not care. I didn't give a hoot about any of those pop songs that they put on there, you know? Uh, and, and so, I, like, I, the, the appeal just wasn't there. But AudioSurf is designed so that you just feed it any MP3 that you have on your hard drive, 
and uh, and it'll make a track out of it. And then you go down the track collecting, you know, colored blocks, trying to match them up the same colors with each other and, you know, maximizing the amount of points that you get. And then your score is compared with other people's scores for that same song around the world because obviously, you know, different songs are, you know, either different length or they're different intensity, et cetera, et cetera. So the potential points is going to be different for each song. So you're only compared against other people for that one song. Which is also nice because then, you know, you are going up against other people who have similar musical tastes as you, which is nice. Which is nice, yes. Yeah. And then if you're if you're weird like me and listen to a lot of music that nobody else has, then you can just be the only person who's ever posted a score for it. Yay! <laughs> you're too hipster for your own good. Apparently, apparently. And yet you you don't drink PBR and you can't grow a beard. Now the Just really nice the thing about it is that this is a video game, and so a lot of people play soundtracks from other video games in this video game, which is awesome because I love it, like listening to video game soundtracks. So that's that's one of the one of the, the areas that I've thing I've heard today. Yeah, it's hilarious, <laughs> and also like um in particular the um the soundtrack from Beat Hazard, which is another rhythm-based, or rhythm game that, you know, you can feed it any MP3 that you have, and it'll, you know, create a game around it. Uh, they also have a pretty awesome soundtrack, and so I've played that in Audio Surf. <laughs> so there you go. Um, yeah, and they, like, so Audio Surf 2, I think, is still an early access, but I, I really did not like it nearly as much as Audio Surf 1, uh, because, you know, the their main mechanic is... They've got this like jumping thing where so so you know your your little avatar who's going down is now a dude on a what he's this dude who's on a surfboard going down you know this track and if you you know if you, you are we supposed to like put our hands up against each other? I'm confused. Um, bounce, 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 bounce. So if you if you get to a part of the track that's about to go downhill really fast, you can you know basically go off a ramp and like get tons of air and do tricks and stuff. But then it's like then I'm not on the track anymore and I'm not trying to collect colored blocks anymore. So it completely takes away the entire core of the game. Oh. When you jump. Which well, that seems. It was very odd. I, I didn't I didn't like it. Um so yeah, I, I prefer the original and the original seems to be where the community still is at, you know. I like even though this is an old game, I still have uh store you know, score wars with other people. And one of the best things for that is they'll they'll actually email you whenever somebody beats your high score for for a song. So if if you are the global leader for a particular song, it'll email you if somebody else dethrones you. And so now I just have to go out and beat all your scores, right? You can try. You can try. I I consider myself to be pretty good at the game. I've like I've I've gotten the casual scores down to a science. Uh, I'm I have a favorite you know character for the uh for the professional uh characters, and I haven't really gotten into the elite ones yet because I'm still kind of um shall we say intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by you know trying to go up against like the best people who play the game, but yeah, 
I want to be the very best, like no one ever was. Bum, bum, to catch them is my real test. To train them is my cause. I will travel across the land, searching far and wide. Bum, bum, Each Pokemon to understand the power that's inside. Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, oh man, I should go and get that song so that I can play it because I, 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 I bet you there are tons and tons of people who have posted scores for it. If you want, I have the whole To Be a Master album. Nice. Back at nice. home. So once you get back in the States. I remember when I tried to, I think I tried to rip the CD that Savannah had of it, and for some reason all of the metadata that, that uh, Windows Media Player tried to give me was in Spanish. <laughs> it was very strange. <laughs> But yes, that's, that's Audio Surf, one of my favorite games of all time. You know, it's it's not the one that I spent the most time playing, but by the end of, of everything, it probably will be because you know, for all of those other games like you know Mass Effect 2, I haven't gone back to play Mass Effect 2 in forever, and Audio Surf is just going to keep you know going up and up by you know a half an hour at a time or whatever. You know, every time that I get a new album, uh, you know, I go and play it on Audio Surf just to you know. Make sure that I have posted some sort of score for those for those songs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've enjoyed the bit of it that I played too. Yeah. I haven't played it nearly as much as you. There are definitely some genres of music that work better than others. Like, uh, I mean, classical is so boring on it. I love I love listening to classical in my life, but like the the courses that the game makes for for classical songs, or even like even uh, you know soundtracks like. Uh, like Star Wars, that are, you know, rather quiet and calm for a good portion of them, like, are just mind-bogglingly slow in the game. So, you know, thing, things things that are much more upbeat work better in the game. Yes. Just saying. Dubstep. Yeah, there you go. Electronic dance music. Um, hip-hop, yeah. I'm sure. You know, most pop songs are going to work very well. But, I mean, bottom line is, if you enjoy the song, you'll probably enjoy playing it in Audio Surf. And actually, there are a few... Sorry, say that again? I just, I'm looking at um, YouTube videos with dubstep, and there's one that's Gaming Dubstep Mix 2014. <laughs> um, there's a few achievements in AudioSurf that require you to play, uh, you know, a song to, like, you know, and, for example, don't hit any great blocks or whatever on, like, an 11-minute or more song kind of thing. Oh. So... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten those achievements yet, but I, I, I'm determined. I will do it someday. I can have some good recommendations. I'll look at my jazz library and tell you. Because mm. those will yeah. have... Actually, the classical library should have some stuff that's over 11 minutes long, too. I, I do have a couple of songs from, like, you know, Star Wars Episode Two or whatever that are fairly fairly calm, fairly easy. You know, I just need to, to actually do it, to make it the entire 11 minutes without making any mistakes. Time. Longest song that I have is... Well, okay. The one that doesn't really count is the 27-minute one from Jars of Clay, but that's the hidden track. Wait, what? Jars of Clay had hidden tracks? Where? What album? Jars of Clay. Wow, that must be from a long time ago, because that sounds like their de- debut album. Um. That would have been... Actually, you know what? There's this one album that I have. Yeah, that 1995. Is, it, it, so the, um, I have an album called Random Friday, where it is... You know, all sort of ambient music, you know, um, but all instrumental. 
and the the album itself, you know, is like a little over an hour long. And then at the end of the album, there's another track that is the entire album just put together uh, with like a few minutes truncated out. So that's another like hour and 15 minutes of <laughs> of of the same music over again, but all is one song. So I could play that for you know. So how how long does the song have to be? Uh, at least 11 minutes. 11 minutes. Well, then I have two that I actually I have three that you would enjoy. Um, I have a feeling. Uh, so absolutely gorgeous song, which is 11 minutes and one second, by Aaron Copeland called Our Town. How did I know it was going to be an Aaron Copeland? I love Copeland. Second one, I'm pretty sure I got this from you actually, so I know you have this one. Albuquerque. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> and then third one, which will be fast and kind of furious, um, is called Channel One Sweet. And that was by Buddy Rich. Okay. Because holy fast drumming Batman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm achievement hunting, I probably don't want to play a song that's going to be make it more difficult than necessary. Then go with um, Copeland. Copeland. Yeah. yeah. Here I'll I'll find a YouTube video of that Copeland tune so that people can listen to it and go, oh yeah. Actually, they probably won't go, oh yeah, but you go, I see why you like that one. Okay. Yeah, let's listen to it on the fringe because I think we've been going on for a lot a while. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for putting up with our blatherings, everybody. This has been Eight Bit. I'm Ian Buck. And I'm Ian Decker. Signing off. Forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Six five one eight nine. Um. I'll be right back. I'm gonna go apologize to my roommate because I ruined his. Well, actually, I'll apologize to his brother. Actually, no, this is not the brother that's coming and visiting. But I'm still gonna go apologize to them because I ruined their live stream of Twitch and Borderlands the pre sequel now because I was shirtless for at least one or two of them. I guess it's better than like Steve Buscemi's face on everything. Who? Oh, Steve Buscemi? Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, isn't that oh. what he said? I also saw you get all excited in the webcam, so I knew that you were up to something. <laughs>